0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. Today's pod is a discussion with Blake Lavelle, who is the uh, editor of Southeast Hoops, and we are going to talk about uh, the various SEC teams that are in the NCAA tournament, uh, kind of break down their first-round matchups and, and what we expect from those games and, and you know kind of a macro-level outlook uh, as to... Potential second round matchups and beyond. So uh, Blake knows he really knows his stuff. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. All right everybody. I am with Blake Lovell Southeast Hoops. Um I think one of the one of the best voices covering the SEC. Uh, in basketball that we have he's kind enough to give us a little time to to talk about the conference and you know Blake um, obviously it's an exciting time for the SEC kind of kind of high high cotton if you will for for where the league is in basketball right now but but maybe you know if anybody has has it well first let's start with did you think the committee got it right as it relates to the conference who was in and who was out and then uh, why did they Send Auburn to play an altitude <laughs> three days after winning the conference tournament.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good question, I think, and that's the one that that Auburn fans have a lot of questions about because, like you said, I mean, I think what it comes down to is just essentially championship. You know, I don't think it's the first time we've seen that happen over the years, but uh, especially in this particular case, um, you go out, you beat a team that had a very good shot at, at getting a number one seed. Uh, You blow them out of the gym and yet you are not rewarded in any way. And in fact, you're kind of somewhat punished if you look at it from that perspective, because like you said, you're having to play on Thursday, you're playing early on Thursday uh, and you're going all the way out to Salt Lake City. And that's what Bruce Pearl said this morning on the SEC coaches teleconference was that, hey, you know, five seed is what it is, but it's more about sort of the, the setup and having to go far away yet again. Uh, and again, that's uh, that's a great reward, I guess, for for being the SEC tournament
0: champions. <laughs> yeah, you'd think if if you won a league that most metrics had as as second or third best in in America, you might be a little better than a five <laughs> seed too. Especially the way they played down the stretch, and instead they get this New Mexico State team that's not only old and grizzled, which you you don't want to play in March, but. Um, Maybe the hottest team in in the field
1: <laughs> and shoots a lot of threes yeah. It's like it's it's going to be a three point shooting contest, and that's kind of what it comes down to and no, I mean it is it's it's not something you you want to look at and be rewarded with, but you know they are that they find themselves in a tough draw. I think it's just sort of a situation where you look at it and say, "Hey, kind of is what it is at this point uh but it's certainly one that I think the committee. It's clear that they just didn't put enough weight into that or really put any weight into it when you think about it. Because I'll I tell you, when I saw Mississippi State as a five seed, I said, well, my goodness, that, that's got to mean Auburn is a four because I thought Auburn would <laughs> was, had a resume and thought that, hey, there'll be a seed line ahead of Mississippi State. Uh, that didn't happen. But as a whole, uh, just to kind of wrap up that part of it, you know, as a whole, I think every SEC team got put – you know, in a good spot seating wise and about what we expected and, and it, it just showed again that the strength of scheduling and all that stuff that the SEC's focused on over the past several years.
0: Is there any reason to think, you know, maybe it's motivating to Auburn to to be seated five, to get shipped out there? I mean, we've seen in the past, you know, Florida a couple of years ago goes to the Elite Eight. Now they started in Orlando, which is a little
1: different, obviously. Uh,
0: yeah. Um but, but certainly heard for a couple of days that East Tennessee State was going to beat them.
1: Right. Well, look, if there's a team that, that knows how to use motivation, I think we know it's Auburn because uh, Bruce Pearl is the, the master at that. So, no, they'll be ready, and this is something that, that we always talk about the day after, but let's face it, once, you know, tomorrow rolls around, um, as we get ready for that game on Thursday, no one's going to be thinking about that. And, you know, they, they will probably use it as some motivation, but they're playing a really good team, and that's what we said. You know, they can't afford to, to be thinking about anything else because uh, New Mexico State is not the type of team uh, that you want to be playing in the first round, and they are going to be a popular upset pick in a lot of brackets.
0: Did you think that the inclusion and, and the involvement of Wiley and in the semifinal some and then in the final, is, is really important for the New Mexico state game. Cause that's a team that rebounds really well and, and plays good transition defense. Yeah.
1: And um, you know, you said it, you talk about their defense and I think they're eighth in the country, maybe offensive rebounding percentage. I think they're 19th just in terms of offensive rebounds per game. Uh, doing my notes earlier. And it is, you, you study them more and more and you say you got to have some some guys that they're big bodies and and Auburn has a lot of guys that that are like that when, when you look at it you got Horace Spencer, Anthony McLemore, Chumo Kiki's in there. Uh you go up and down the line with the guys that they can put out there but having someone like Austin it sort of give you a, a back to the basket, you know, offensive type of performer too. I think that's important in a game like this, but there's no doubt rebounding on both sides of the court i'm gonna be huge for the tigers in this particular game because it goes back to what we said too when there's so many three-pointers going up (laughs) rebounding opportunities and so uh you need guys that can rebound in there
0: let's move to uh kentucky and and i don't want to spend too much time on abilene christian i I think (laughs) i think let's 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 look more macro level with with cal's team and you know everybody saw the i mean his his interviews are now a work of art selection <laughs> sunday um but he kind of deflected this idea that Tyler Hero is is the key to the whole tournament run i don't agree with him where where are you on that
1: i think he's huge for them because uh he's someone that that gives them you know i think a lot of people kind of when he came into kentucky you looked at him as someone that was going to just be this this shooter type of guy and you thought well maybe that's kind of his role, and that's it. But but I think he offers a lot more than that, really on both sides of the court. Uh, and you just look throughout the season. I mean, when Kentucky has kind of been clicking, Kyler Heroes played really well. And when he doesn't play well, they don't play well. And I really think that that has a lot to do with it. You can go up and down the line, look at his stats throughout the season. They play, you know, when, when he's going, when he can give them sort of that, that next – sort of gear especially when it comes to shooting but but in other things as well on defense too um he's a good passer he just kind of is one of those guys that that sort of puts himself in the right spot and can help put other people in the right spot uh he's got to play well and i think it's something how well pj washington's playing now uh, ashton Hagen's throughout the year is continue to make improvement kentucky's got the pieces and i don't think anyone's ever doubted that um getting reed travis back certainly huge at this point too I think, you know, from, from a bracket standpoint, I mean, look, Kentucky got another tough draw, and I think everybody gets tired of hearing that sometimes. But it is what it is, and they don't necessarily have an easy path because I think Wofford's the team, too. It's the kind of team that can give Kentucky fits, I think, in a second-round type of matchup. And so uh, it's not going to be an easy road for Cal's team either there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wofford is the team. Obviously, it takes care of the ball, kind of like getting a keep Kentucky from getting out in transition if they're able to win there, if Wofford's yep. able to beat, beat Seton Hall. Um, You know, I think Seton Hall's a little more favorable for Kentucky, but yep. kind of get into that when we get there. But if they get to the second weekend, they seem to have the pieces they need to control tempo in those games.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. And, you know, Houston's probably that type of team that – you don't really want to see um, just yeah. their defense. And I think that there's another team, too, that we look at and feel like maybe they didn't get enough credit this year, even though they did get a three seed. But I think nationally it's kind of easy uh, for a lot of people who just kind of say, well, you know, they're maybe they're just playing in the American and don't necessarily have that it factor you need to, to get to a Final Four. But I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, but if Kentucky, like you said, can sort of control the temperature, to, to kind of get good shots, I think they do have sort of that setup to where it's like, okay, if you just can get past some of these early types of kind of sneaky good teams like a Wofford, and Houston's not a sneaky good team, but even a matchup against Iowa State wouldn't be easier either. Um, but, you know, getting to that, let's say, Elite Eight, Final Four scenario, you feel like Kentucky can match up well with North Carolina um, which which seems to be the, the most likely team that's going to come out of that? I'm not just saying it because it's a one seed. Uh, they're really good, and I've thought yeah. all year. You know, I've thought all year long that we've kind of, I think, from a national perspective, we've kind of thrown North Carolina to the side in a sense, just in favor of just always needing to talk about Zion when we don't realize that that North Carolina, as we said, we saw them beat Duke as many times as they did. And it's like, man, that team's really good, and I think it's one of Rory Williams' best teams. I just don't think they've gotten that recognition uh, from a national perspective, just because it's been easy to really focus on Duke this year.
0: So, speaking of teams that maybe you know, maybe we haven't it took a while to realize that Kentucky was really good because of a because of the other really good team in the league, Tennessee, and and um, you know, we had a, we had that epic semifinal, and maybe it's tarnished a little bit by what happened to the balls in the. <laughs> in the title game, but, you know, I was interested. The first thing I wrote down when I knew we were going to talk to you was what does Blake think of Tennessee's draw? Because I like it.
1: You like it? I love it because um, I'm telling you, and for some reason I think a lot of people are are not believing that, and I'm not sure why. I think it's the effect of possibly playing Cincinnati in Columbus, and I get the the concerns with that, uh, but... I think Tennessee is a superior team to Cincinnati, and that's why I think once the game actually happens on the floor, I'm not necessarily concerned about that type of matchup because, yeah, Cincinnati, we know how Cincinnati plays. It's going to be a tough, grinded-out type of game, but that's what Tennessee has excelled at over the past couple years. And so if that is the matchup, I think they're fine. And so I think if you look at Tennessee's path, and I said this to a couple people earlier, I just don't see anyone other than Virginia or Tennessee coming out of that South region. I just don't think there's another team in there that is as consistent or reliable that you can say that one of these teams other than Virginia or Tennessee is going to come out of that region. I would be very surprised if it's not Virginia versus Tennessee in that elite eight for a spot in the final four, just because I, I think seeing how both those teams have played all year long, They have way more consistency than any of the other teams in that bracket. And they just feel like that they are kind of those teams that whichever one gets to the final four, um, they could very well, you know, give whoever it is coming out of the Midwest a really good shot and have a chance to, to play for a national championship.
0: So, you know, and and I, yeah, I mean, I think that certainly if you look at a Mick Cronin team, you know, I guess some people could theoretically be afraid of that and they certainly play well in the first round, but yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. They're just a kind of a better version of Tennessee. Like Mm -hmm. Tennessee can score and Cincinnati can't really. So.
1: Yeah. Um, And and that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And it's what said in this type of tournament and you know, this, and it's just style means a lot because matchups are everything. And it's like, If you get someone that maybe plays a completely different style, that can be really tough to prepare for because maybe it's not something you're used to and you don't see it all the time. But if you get someone that plays pretty much a somewhat similar style to you and you feel like, you know, or you've proven that you've been sort of the the better team throughout the year, I just think it makes it easier preparation-wise. And that's why I think Tennessee would have a fine draw, whether it's Cincinnati or Iowa in that scenario.
0: Yeah, I I actually have Tennessee going to the Final Four. Okay. Um, and I I filled that out about an hour ago. I <laughs> normally don't fill out a bracket until uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, but I, I had to for Saturday Down South, so I just kind of okay. was like, ah. Well, here's I, what I yeah. do.
1: So every time the bracket comes out, I've, I've done this for years, even probably since I was a kid, I do handwritten bracket. I, as soon as it's over, I literally take two minutes, something like that, I go through everything. I don't sit there and analyze it. I just say, okay, this feels good. This feels good. This feels good. It's kind of like your, <laughs> I guess it's like your your gut. You're picking every game based on you know just going straight off the top of your head. And when I did that, I actually had Tennessee in the final four too. But when I go back and look at it over the next couple of days, whether that'll stay, I don't know yet.
0: Yeah, you might you might convince yourself that <laughs> that uh, Virginia will have the best player on the floor, so they'll. Yeah,
1: there you go.
0: That's I've I've gone back and forth. Let's talk about a style game, Ole Miss, Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, um, Ole I Miss. mean, yeah,
0: Ole Miss. Okay, so so to me, I, this is one, and I don't. I'm not going to say I don't like an NCAA tournament game because it's that's that's kind of blasphemous. But the eight nine games are always the least interesting to me. Huh. Um, <laughs> this one is kind of interesting just because Oklahoma can really stifle opposing guards.
1: Yeah,
0: and. Ole Miss wins with guards. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it, it's not a great matchup for Ole Miss. And I thought whenever we saw it, I was like, you know, we talk about draw. Oklahoma is not a great draw, and certainly Virginia in the next round wouldn't be a great draw uh, because everything kind of goes through your guards if you're Ole Miss. And it's like, well, beyond that, what do you do? And I, I think that's kind of the biggest issue with this team. And we've seen that. It's sort of a flaw at times throughout the season, even as well as they've played this year. And it goes back to Kermit Davis. Uh, what, what a job he did. But I will be the first to tell you, you know, he did a tremendous job. And this is not to take anything away from what he did. But I just never thought the roster was as terrible as some people thought it was after they had a bad season last year. I thought, that, you know, just sort of tweaking some things and certainly getting better defensively, which they did, that was going to be the key for, for them this season. They got a lot better. They're more consistent on defense. But, yeah, I mean, what you said where you just kind of look at it and you're like, this could sort of be one of those ugly type of games, I think. You mentioned the 8 Yeah, nine classic 8-9. Yeah, it just, it's not one of those things. It just looks really appealing. And, and probably, you know, when we look around at the entire bracket, there's a lot of them like that. Yeah. So it could be that situation for all the 8-9 games, and we're kind of looking there and saying, hey, maybe none of these are all that pretty.
0: Yeah, no, and and look, I mean, Oklahoma certainly, if if they don't hit three pointers, um, you know, there's certainly a chance that that Ole Miss can pull away from them a little bit, uh, which is what has happened to Oklahoma this year. But then you look at it, even if they even if they win that game, their their chances against Virginia seem uh, pretty remote. But yeah, we talked in November about about Oklahoma or about old Oklahoma about Ole Miss roster being you know Andy having left a little bit better a roster than people thought and. Yeah. And uh, it seems like a new voice was a, a, a really good thing. And, and to see them in the tournament year one is really impressive. Um, yeah.
1: No, he did a tremendous job. And, and look, it, it was really, I think and we we've said this many times at other jobs. Sometimes you just need a new voice. And it's not a knock on Andy Kennedy because that old Miss program has made improvement leaps and bounds. Since he took over, not only from an encore standpoint, from just you know just the way basketball is embraced there now.
0: Oh yeah, he uh, should be proud of the legacy he left there.
1: Absolutely, and you you know obviously the facilities and all that different stuff. I mean, he built something that was absolutely not there when he came there. Uh, completely different landscape, and that's something that someone like Kermit Davis. Uh, that's why it was such a good hire. I thought when they made him the choice was he's a proven guy who can build, build, build. And that's its voice and uh, for the future. Uh,
0: I'm staying in Magnolia State. Uh, and, you know, a game that I'm seeing trending as a as a possible us upset pick. And I'm gonna be this is another one I was really excited to talk to you about because I look at it and I may have given away my thought on it on Twitter, but <laughs> I don't see how Liberty wins this game. What?
1: You, you know, I'll say this all season late before season. I Me on Twitter, I, I've talked about Liberty many times. And it's because you sort of look at them knowing Richie McKay and the type of style that he wants to play. You know, a, a Tony Bennett guy um, who was there at Virginia and just how he's implemented that there with this team and knowing that they do have, you know, a lot of experience. They've got guys. Uh, that can kind of, you know, be interesting in terms of matchup-wise because of the way they play, their efficiency on offense. Uh, It's something that's not really easy to prepare for, and certainly the pack line defense, never easy to prepare for. But I think for Mississippi State, one of their biggest strengths is their just overall length and athleticism and their ability kind of to slice in and out of defenses, and certainly their improved three-point shooting this year has been one of their biggest assets, one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country last year. They have gone from one of the worst to probably a top 40, I think, type of three-point shooting team. I think that's where the problem comes in for Liberty, right. is that unless they can completely take this game, and I think sometimes – it. it thing gets to where they're just going to walk the ball down the floor and, you know, they're going to take a shot. Five seven. I think that's the misconception there for a team like Liberty. That's not exactly their goal. They're going to play in terms of they're going to take advantage of whatever they can take advantage of. If they have to push the ball down the floor, to do that and score, that's what they'll do. If they need to slow it down to get, you know, a certain shot, that's what they'll do. And that's why I think for Mississippi state, it's really just about being disciplined on the defensive side of the court. And, and look, there have been times this year where that hasn't happened. But I think from a matchup perspective, their length, their athleticism, their offensive rebounding ability, I think it's a pretty decent matchup for Mississippi state.
0: Certainly. Uh, they're, you know, the, the trio of, of Peters and, and Weatherspoon and Tyson Carter, who's really been the guy that's made the difference on the, on the perimeter for them. Um, you, you think that they, they have a pretty big edge. there. You know, they are, they are facing Scotty James, who is probably one of the nation's best post players. Uh, I, I doubt that he's going to, you know, well, there's discussion about whether or not he'll, he'll transfer out of Liberty or, or stay, but, but um, fourth in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage. So, you know, like you said, disciplined on defense, disciplined in box outs.
1: Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's probably one of those things where we look back at last year, Mississippi State, they've been one of the least experienced teams in the country over the past couple of years, Mississippi say's like, my goodness, you, you look at Ken Palm, past couple of years, it's like surely Mississippi State's going to jump beyond, you know, the 300s at some point. Oh, you know, they go from 350th, I think, one year, last year like 320th, something like that. Uh, <laughs> but now it's like finally those guys that feel like they've been around forever, it's like they're finally juniors and seniors. Um, and so, yeah, I think Mississippi State just having sort of more opportunity. They played a tougher schedule. It's something we've talked about over the past couple of years. You know, their non-conference schedules haven't been great, but you go look at this year, they've played a tougher schedule. I think it prepares them for a game like this, but it is going to be about discipline, and that's why I think Liberty will be sort of that popular pick, like you said a minute ago, just because it's a team that, if they control how this game plays out, it could be interesting. But I think talent-wise, you look at Mississippi State, if they can just get things rolling, shoot the ball well enough, get good shots, not take bad shots. That's something too that kind of bugs me about Mississippi State. And maybe I'm trying to talk myself out of this. now. <laughs> um, they do take some bad shots at times. So uh, if they can just keep, kind of stay consistent with that, I think they'll be all right.
0: They would. They would get Virginia Tech in the second round, which um, obviously you know can be can be a handful with a healthy yeah. Justin Robinson.
1: I don't like that at all for Mississippi nope. State. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. you know, and that's what we're saying. You beat Liberty. I just, Virginia Tech getting him back. And I'll tell you, I know for a lot of people, Duke is pretty much a shoe in to get to the Final Four, National Championship, or whatever. I don't think seeing a team that, that they're very familiar with that, that knows some of their ins and outs in the Sweet 16 would be a preferred matchup for Coach yeah. K. And I think he would tell you the same thing.
0: Yeah, no, I think so. But you know what? When we talk about state, we should probably just say that that it's their first appearance in the tournament this decade, and they were miles and miles of, of Mississippi Delta from even being close to a postseason tournament when Ben Hallen got there. and Yeah. you got to be happy for their seniors, I think.
1: And it's hard to believe, too, isn't it? It's like we think about Mississippi <laughs> State, and it's like, I don't know. You just sort of look at it, and you're like, boy, it, surely they've been there since then. But like you said, when you actually go back, break down the numbers, like, my goodness, they haven't been there since this. And it's like, wow, <laughs> like, how did that happen? But... You know, you go through some some rough stretches there, but but yeah, it is good for that group because we knew they were going to get there at some point. And, and I think last year, just building off of that that nit uh, run they had last year, was something that kind of carried over into this season.
0: So two more, um, we got a game that that I had some fun with, um, and, and people saw they follow me on Twitter. They they saw that I had <laughs> a little I had a little fun with LSU and Yale. I saw it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to rehash the joke, but I'll say. How much? Let's just. I mean, let's just cut to the chase. How much does not having Will Wade matter? And and you know that seems kind of an obvious question. It obviously matters quite a bit. So so maybe secondarily, is it something that makes this first game dangerous? I, Yale has a pro in in Miaoni. So, um, but but I don't know if they play the kind of way that really bothers LSU. If that makes
1: sense? Yeah, and I think this is all about the first game for LSU because I think if they can sort of get past that initial, maybe sort of, I guess, hangover effect, because, you know, you're, it's going to be in their mind, whether you admit it or not, you lose that first game to Florida in the SEC tournament. And it's like, okay, you kind of get a little bit of that doubt that's set in for a team that really hasn't played that. They haven't had any doubts sort of about themselves all year long. They've played with a chip on their shoulder pretty much the entire season and that's what allowed them to be the SEC regular season champions. And all that talent that's on the roster, um, you know, LSU is talented enough to beat anybody. And I truly yeah. believe that. I mean, I think they're talented enough. It's not a great draw, let's say, if they want to get to the Final Four because I think having to go up against Michigan State or a Duke is is not great. But from a talent standpoint, you've got a lot of guys that can match up. Uh, they're certainly athletic enough. And, you know, you look at it from that perspective – if LSU can kind of just – I think discipline here too. It's the same with Mississippi State. When you've got a Yale team that, that's sort of – they're, they're going to try to play their way. And, you know, it's kind of a game, I think, style-wise that favors LSU. If It's right. a team that sort of get up gets up and down the floor. Um, with LSU's athletes and, and their ability to do all that, as long as they get good shots, which all season long they've proven their ability to do that, I think LSU's in, in a pretty good spot is you can just get past that initial – Maybe some some doubt there in all of the surrounding anything else. If you can get past that, I would love their second round matchup against any of those three teams: Maryland, Belmont, Temple. I'll be honest with you; I would probably hate a matchup with Belmont worse than any of those other two. Um, beyond that, you, you know, I think things are pretty wide open for LSU.
0: So we'll have our first disagreement on this whole <laughs> this whole call on the second round game. No, I think I, I think Belmont is a great matchup for them. Yeah, because Belmont wants to play really fast, and yeah, they take care of the ball, and and Dylan Windler is is a pro, but but I look, I think they came out emotional, wanting to win, and you know ready to run through a wall against Florida, and they got that huge yeah. lead, yeah, and they struggle with those sorts of teams. If you're really elite defensively and you play slow, you can <laughs> bo- you can bother them, and that's not Belmont. Like if Temple beats Belmont. And you get, you know, the veteran friend Duffy in, in the farewell tour, or whatever. And <laughs> that one bothers me more. That one bothers me more. But but that's I guess a mild disagreement. Well, and there,
1: I, I think there's a coaching standpoint in that too. And I think that's probably why I would look at, you know, let's yeah, say Yeah, Rick get, Bird, right? Yeah, let's say you get that <laughs> situation. And it's like, Okay, we've got a coach that you know, Belmont finally getting that elusive win that they've wanted, or at that point it would be two wins. Um, and it's like Man, you know, it's just kind of one of those things you think about it. You're like, boy, That's you, true. you got Belmont going up against the team that has an interim head coach. And, yeah, Tony Bedford's experience. But it's just kind of like one of those things. And I think but, – but, no, you're right. I mean, it's, it's one of the games. Certainly, it's, it's not going to be – it wouldn't be an easy matchup by any means for Belmont. But, just, I don't know. I may, maybe it's my national homerism coming out for, for Rick Burr. No, I was I – mean, <laughs> I was look,
0: I was thrilled that Belmont got in and, and I applaud the committee for doing that. That was the right call. Um. Yeah, LSU should have good support in Jacksonville. The last time they were there, they made the Final Four. So, yep. Last time they started there. Uh, so, and they had a lot of people there that last time because that's where uh, Florida started. So, I, I had a chance to see that. I guess we'll close with Florida. <laughs> Third straight appearance for Mike White. Um, only John Calipari's done that elsewhere in the league. Uh, this game's really fascinating to me. <laughs>
1: It's when it first came out, I looked at it and said, I just I don't love it. I don't love it for Florida um, because you've got a team that that has that experience that is, you know, again, it is one of the most experienced teams in the entire country. And I'll say this, too. Nevada is a seven seed. Um, You know, from a numbers perspective, you look at them this season and, and certainly you look around and say, "Okay." Mountain West is what it is, but, man, you know, they, they lost four games. And, and I know two of them were San Diego State and the other one was to, to New Mexico and one of those just fluke games that happens to every team, it seems like, every season. But, man, th- that feels like a much better team than a seven seed to me. And, you know, but, but, but from this perspective, I think a team like Florida, who, as we all know, excels on the defensive end of the floor, the way they guard – the perimeter, just the way they guard, period. And because they they have, you know, a guy like Kavarius Hayes in there that can block shots, um, can make it tough on Nevada getting to the rim. I don't know. You know, it, it does feel like not maybe not a great matchup, but when you look at it, you have a contrast in styles. You have sort of different teams uh, that maybe want to play a little differently. But then again, you know, that defense is something that's why all year long, even when Florida's had those stretches where it's just like you don't really know what to expect from them, the defense has kind of been there. It's just if they can make shots from outside, which we saw them get and make, uh, you know, big shot from the perimeter, you got guys like Noah Locke, if Andrew Dimhart's hitting shots, I think it's, it's one of those games where if Florida can kind of dictate the way Nevada plays offensively, it's anyone's guess to me.
0: Yeah, in all four of Nevada's losses, they they did not score 70 points. So yep. I think that you can slow them down, and that's what Florida will try to do with that matchup zone. I would imagine that that's what they'll do is matchup zone with Nimhart up there on on Caleb Martin yep. and just try to push them out. Yep. But, uh, you know, Florida's played so many close games, 17 uh, quad one games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nevada's played two. Yep. Um, but then again – you you look at you know six seniors play for Nevada and what does Nevada do? It's an Eric Musselman team. They're going to isolate you to death. And if you got to figure, if if you ask me, which team is better to win in a one possession game? And there's a reason that Florida is 19 and 15 and not 23 and 11, right?
1: Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, that's that's very important in this because this is one of those games. And and look, we, we know how the the LSU Florida game played out. Florida got down big yet we're able to kind of find that I don't think you can afford against this particular team. I think it's a different scenario where, let's say Florida gets down, I don't know, let's say they get down 12, 15 early or something like that. It's just you don't feel good about it just because of the way, um, you know, how much kind of stress that puts on you offensively going up against a team like this that has all that experience. They've been through this. We saw what they did last year, and it's pretty much the same exact group uh, that's going through this again in in a very similar scenario where, you know, they were in that 7-10 game last year in, in the same sort of setup. Uh, so it is, it's going to be a fascinating game, I think, to that. When that's, you know, I said it on Twitter too, it's one of the more underrated first-round games, I think, because you do have the difference in styles, and it's going to kind of be a fun matchup there.
0: Yeah, no, I saw that uh, Jay Pillis said he, he was, it was maybe his favorite yeah. first-round game, just, just to see – uh, you know, and Florida has the three freshmen, but they also have three seniors, which kind of has been lost in the Nevada's old narrative
1: Yeah,
0: is, is, you know, Florida has the the three guys that have played a lot of NCAA tournament basketball games. Yep.
1: yep. That's so true. Yeah, exactly. We will,
0: we will certainly see, well, look, um, you know, we, we appreciate the, uh, the time you gave us and, and, uh, all the coverage that, that you provide to the conference all year. Make sure, uh, everybody knows where they can find you on on Twitter real quick
1: yeah man uh, at the Blake level on Twitter uh, all the SEC stuff uh, southeast uh, com. so yeah it, it's a fun tournament it's it's good to see SEC basketball worth being talked about uh, for this long again so
0: thanks a lot Blake we appreciate it thanks man bye-bye
1: the ball bounces it now to Keontae Johnson. Johnson places the basket. Basket slammed up, and he was fouled. Oh my! Keontae Johnson drove the ball into the middle of the lane, and then dished it off to
0: Bassett, who dunked it home. Here.